The Cal Halbert Podcast. Hello, my friends. Thank you for downloading and listening to this week's episode of the Cal Halbert Podcast. My guest this week is Danny Harmer. Oh, yeah. You best know Danny as Tracy Beaker. Bog off. I can make my world come true. All my dreams will see me through. I can't remember the rest of the words. Anyway, Danny is such a lovely lady, and I was so, so pleased to have her on the podcast. Uh, as I said, you best know her as uh, the actress behind Tracy Beaker in Danny's house. She was on Strictly Come Dancing. Uh, she runs the Danny Harmer Academy. She is so, so funny, so, so lovely, and super, super talented. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go. The Cal Halbert Podcast. Well, I'm very pleased to say that on the show today, I've got the wonderful, the fantastic, the glorious, the glamorous, the lovely Danny Harmer. Hi, Danny. Hi, what an introduction. I feel like you need to put some more adjectives in there, please. <laughs> I, I don't know anymore. This is... Uh... Oh. <laughs> Actually, well, no, that's, for some reason, that's just made me uh, realise. So you've actually stayed at my house, so you know where my... I don't want to ever say... Yeah. But what a weird thing to open up with. Hey, Danny Harmer stayed <laughs> yeah, at my house. Can you just... Can you explain that a sec? Right, yeah. Well, we'll <laughs> I will explain that. We were doing panto together uh, in Whitley Bay. And on the last night, because I live closer to Newcastle train station, you stayed in our spare room. Um, yes, I did. And what a beautiful spare room it is. Very comfortable bed. Oh, well, thank you very much. The reason why, <laughs> I don't know why I went in, I've gone right around the houses for this story. But <laughs> the reason of needing more adjectives is that we've had so downstairs you, we we've got this you have to buzz in and then you can go in and then all the letter boxes are there and like a standard modern flat that's what it's like but we've had a sign go up recently saying that parcels are being stolen so be careful because people are coming in and seeing on the parcels and uh, I actually found I didn't realize one of my parcels had been stolen and I found it dumped around the corner when they realized it was a dictionary and a thesaurus so the <laughs> the trick is <laughs> Order stuff that people don't want. Right? <laughs> uh, I was really wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, by the way, Daddy stayed at my house in the spare yeah, room. Did. This is. <laughs> yeah, I did. There we go. <laughs> How are things with you? Anyway, it's gone a bit mental for you recently. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just been. It's gone from doing absolutely nothing for months and months and months and sitting on my sofa not moving to being like one of the busiest people ever. Um, and I'm so thankful. Thank goodness for that because I was starting to go a little bit crazy. Um, and yeah, so my mom, Tracy Beaker, came out. Um, and now it's officially the most successful CBBC show of all time, which is just mind-boggling. Like, I'm totally baffled. <laughs> like, thank you so much all for watching. That was really great. It's incredible. But also, yeah. not only the most successful show on CBBC, is it not the most successful thing on iPlayer as well? Is that not yeah, right? I read this where it's it, it smashed EastEnders records on Christmas Day and things like that? Yeah, I think it went pretty bananas, but I mean, Line of Duty's just come out, right? So that's surely beat us now. I just thought, oh, could you imagine if it didn't? That would be a story. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I think it went a bit bananas. Um, and it's, it's so cool for me to see because obviously, um, you know, it's been a while since we brought Tracy Beaker back. And just seeing the difference in how people watch their TV in those last few years, because I obviously 
back then it was kind of more um, who was actually physically watching the channel and watching it live. And now it's like quadruple the amount on iPlayer, which I'm just like, wait, oh my gosh. Yeah, of course. Everyone doesn't like just watch TV anymore. It's all kind of like on the internet. So it's been really, really interesting. But yeah, in that first weekend, I think we got 2.1 million, which is, I didn't even realise there was that many people that cared. So <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Well, we do best know you as an actress in the lights of, of Tracy Beaker. So it uh, started as the story of Tracy Beaker. And mm -hmm. uh, had you always wanted to be an actress? Yeah, I had actually from like a super young age. Um, I used to love watching sort of musicals and films when I was younger. I used to reenact Annie, like sitting on my windowsill, singing out of the window. <laughs> So I always knew that that's kind of where I wanted to go, but I had no idea that it, I would actually end up doing that as a job. Yeah. Like you kind of just think that's just like a dream. Um, but yeah, so I used to like put on shows and stuff. My grandparents, my parents, they got super bored of watching them, didn't want to watch them anymore. Uh, sent me off to like a drama uh, club. And yeah, it kind of just all snowballed from there, really. Got my first job when I was six, which wow. I'm sure is illegal, probably. <laughs> Should you be working at six? I don't know. Um, what was that then? Yeah. At six, what was your first job? So um, I was in the original cast of The Who's Tommy at the Shaftesbury Theatre in the West End. So not a bad first job. No. My, I scored massive brownie points with my dad because he got to sit next to Roger Daltrey. Oh. at the like premiere of it so he was like bragging rights I think he still mentions it to anyone that will listen uh and obviously me being six no idea who these people are I'm just like chilling with Pete Townsend we're having a nice little chat like it's crazy I wish I could go back in time and do that show all over again because it was so cool yeah. um and yes, that was my first job, which is pretty bonkers. That's in, that's ridiculous. Yeah, but you're yeah. right though. At six years old, you're just oblivious to it. You're not really paying yeah, any attention to heard... these ridiculously famous people. <laughs> I know, just working with some rock legends, and I'm like, who are they? But I knew that they, you know, supplied some sweeties, so that was all I cared about at that time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how long was the run for that then? Um, so back in back in my day, children could um only work for forty days. Um, of out of the year so I did it for 40 days yeah. and then literally couldn't work again after that so missed out on uh, like being little Cosette and Les Mis Grr, I always wanted that part but yeah then I got too tall for it which is ridiculous I've never been too tall for anything <laughs> in my life um, yeah now the, the rules are completely different you can sort of work as many days but there's sort of hours and stuff so yeah so I did it for 40 days which is very precise Oh, that's that's crazy. So you went to uh, the, the drama school, and was it them that mm -hmm. put you in contact with this job, or did you have an agent, or how did how did that come about? Yeah, so I was at Stagecoach, and they kind of sent me up for the role, um, and yeah, and I just kind of got it straight away. I mean, I was playing like a deaf, dumb, and blind kid, so there wasn't an awful lot to it, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, so yeah, I just kind of had to stand there, but I obviously stood there really, really well. <laughs> I don't think I'd be able to do that. I'd be far too arrogant going, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> look at my jazz hands, everyone. Uh, yeah, no, so it was literally just standing there. But I just love the fact that I started my career as a boy. Like, I just, yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. So uh, how long, how old were you when you went into Tracy Beaker? 
Uh, so I was 12 when I um, right. got the role of Trace Beaker, um, which was amazing. I mean, I'd been a massive fan of Jacqueline Wilson, had read all of her books. Apart from Tracy Beaker, I still have not read that one. I heard it's very good, though. So I knew that Jacqueline Wilson, obviously, is just like this huge icon. Her books are incredible. So I kind of knew that people would be interested. But um, yeah, I had no idea that it would take off in the way that it did. Yeah, well, it's 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 kind of got a bit of a cult following, isn't it? In that it's just like... yeah, And I think partly because of Jacqueline Wilson being so popular and, st- and she's taught on the syllabus and stuff and we had i remember in school we had to read tracy beaker we, we had to read that as part of our um english course and stuff like that and oh uh, cool so that was really cool and then we'd watch we'd watch the show as well in that we'd have to compare how did your teacher just not want to teach you i think that's, I think <laughs> that's very much what it is she'd given then. up i think that was the... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we'd, we'd have to look at how people have a interpret things so that we'd look at the book we'd have to read the book and then we watch the show to see how people have interpreted into that and how we would interpret ah, stuff. Okay. So it was quite a cool way of looking at it but uh yeah yeah but the story of tracy beaker that was the first series but mm-hmm. little did we know that this one series of the story of tracy beaker is going to continue to become the dumping ground my mum tracy beaker the tracy beaker is it um survival files and things like this oh, and all honestly, these different it's, things there's a whole universe out there <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i'm like marvel i really am <laughs> hard to keep up i don't even know what's going on anymore <laughs> so had you got an agent by the time you were going to tracy beaker Yes, yes. I kind of by that point had done sort of um, the odd bits and bobs. So I kind of knew that that's what I wanted to do basically in life. Um, And yeah, I was, do you know what? It was a really boring story. It's such a standard audition story. I got to the audition. I went in, I read the script. I got the part. (laughs) It was like literally as easy as that. Um, And yeah, I just got, I got told it. I was thinking I was at like a school fate or something. Um, My mum's phone rang and it was Susan Tully, who EastEnders legend, Michelle from EastEnders. Uh, She was our first ever director. So she was the one that cast me. So my mum was like, oh my God, Michelle from EastEnders is on the phone. (laughs) I was like, okay, great. Hi. Uh, And yeah, and then she told me that I got the part of Tracy Beaker. So I was like, wow, okay, cool. This is like actually going to happen. Um, and yeah, so back then it was, um, I think we did like 15 minute episodes mm-hmm. um, and they were going on at like half three. So I was like, is anyone actually going to watch this? Because when I get home from school, I just want to eat. Like, I'm not really that bothered about putting the TV on. <laughs> just want to get out your uniform as quick as possible. So yeah, I had no idea. I think if someone had told me when I was 12 that you'll still be talking about it when you're 32, <laughs> I like, I definitely would not have believed you. <laughs> that's for sure. I don't even believe it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously don't want to brag but i am in the business as well uh so so i and obviously i'm an impressionist so i always click people's accents so over the time and over the filming of tracy beaker you notice the cameo roles and the extras that come in and stuff their accents have changed over times as to where the locations in which they've been filming so yeah where how where were you originally filming and where did you go on to Okay, so the very first series was in Ealing, um, so everyone's got a London accent. And then from series two uh, to the end of the story of Tracy Beaker series, uh, we were based in Cardiff, hence why 
half the kids are Welsh and half the kids are English. Never explained why. <laughs> like just suddenly there's loads of Welsh people in our uh, care home and yeah, kids didn't notice. So it was fine. Um, and then Trace Speaker returns. We moved that up to Newcastle. Um, so half our kids were Geordies. And then, then where did we go? Uh, I think the dumping ground is still in Newcastle. Yeah, I think and... it's, yeah, it's certainly northeast, definitely. Yes. And then my mum, Tracy Beaker, was done in Manchester. So I've been all over the place. <laughs> Just nowhere near where I actually live. So maybe next series. <laughs> that would be really nice. <laughs> Are you still in contact with any of the cast? Yeah, I am actually. Um, especially since this new series has come out. It's kind of really brought everyone together. Uh, because it will be 20 years this summer, which is wow. ridiculous that we started filming. I know, bonkers. I'm, I'm sure I'm not old enough. Like, yeah. I'm convinced. I don't feel old enough. It's not right. Um, and so, yeah, I've kept in touch with quite a few of them. And, and then I Instagram stalk the rest of them, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but it's really hard because obviously some of us are still working. Some of us have gone on to do completely different careers. Yeah. We're based all around the UK. So um, obviously I really, really wanted to do like a big reunion this year to celebrate 20 years. But this pandemic is not going to allow that to happen, unfortunately. But hopefully we can set up something. So I'd love to know what everyone's been doing, just yeah. mainly because I'm really nosy. <laughs> <laughs> Set up an online Zoom feed. That's what you should do. Yes, yes, because we haven't had enough of Zoom, so let's let's do some more. <laughs> You're on mute. You're on mute. On, on mute. On mute. Yes, Please. Exactly. Oh my God's sake. Who invited grandma? Do you know? <laughs> I know. And there's always that one person with the worst internet connection. You're yeah. like, why are you even bothering? Yeah. Please don't. Go and, go and talk to your provider and then come back to us when you're ready. <laughs> what I have noticed, though, is because um, comedy's had to go that way as well. So we're doing stand-up gigs on Zoom and stuff. So particularly before Christmas, we were doing a lot of online Christmas parties where the comedians would do, there'd be three of us doing a quick set, which was a bit weird to perform straight to your camera and then go. Yeah. But I couldn't think of anything worse if I was working a normal job sort of thing to sit in a Zoom meeting, looking around into other people's houses where you go, God, next time you bring cakes into the house, I'm into work. I'm not having any because I've seen the state of your house. You know, I mean? I'm not eating anything from there. I know. It's started to become a bit of an obsession as well, hasn't it? Like you're watching people being interviewed on the TV and I'm just looking at the background. Yeah. I am not listening to anything you are saying. I'm looking at what you have chosen. Like obviously for me right now, I've purposely put a bathroom in the background just to make well, myself feel like bring super it up. important. <laughs> oh no, bring it up. It's there for a talking point. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, yeah, I've got like three like sort of Zoom backdrops in my house. So I like to change yeah. it up a bit. <laughs> All with the BAFTA in, by the way. <laughs> All with the BAFTA. The BAFTA comes everywhere. Oh, this thing? Apple. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you ever do that? Obviously, in normal times when people can come round, do you ever just put it in really awkward yeah. places and just say, oh, sorry, let me just move my BAFTA out the way? Always, always. And I love to work out who's the first person to pick up the BAFTA and put it over their face like they are the BAFTA because literally every single time someone has done one and I just love it because they always think they're the first one to do it like oh look at me on the BAFTA <laughs> brilliant it's like, it's like the, the first they always think they're the first person to use a banana as a telephone as well they're the same yes. people <laughs> exactly exactly I love it but we'll stay with Tracy Beaker for just a little bit longer in that um You've got a new famous fan of Tracy Beaker that's been live tweeting when she's been watching it in 
Michelle Visage. And oh my gosh. How amazing is this? To say that I wet myself would be an understatement because <laughs> I am like her biggest fan. So I'm literally, I was obsessed with that. I literally could not believe it was happening. Yeah. Why it happened, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that I need to be a judge on the next series of Drag Race UK. Please. I have literally mentioned this in every single interview and I will not stop going on about it. I need to be on there. It's, that would literally be my dream come true. But yeah, how bonkers is that? That this huge star from America is just randomly watching my tiny little programme and then just like sending out her opinions to the internet. It's just, yeah, yeah it's baffling. I love the fact that she had to put a tweet out saying, I'm on a flight with no Wi-Fi. When I land, I'll do more Beaker. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I was like, hang on, you can't just stop at episode three. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love Drag Race, obviously, because I bat left-handed. Uh, so I obviously love Drag Race. So <laughs> it finished just a couple of weeks ago. One of our previous uh, guests was Cherry Valentine, who left in, in week two. But uh, yes. what was your opinion of the result in, uh, spoiler alert, everybody, Lawrence Cheney was the, the winner of Drag Race. What was your thoughts on that? Because I thought Bimini Bomboulash had it sewn up. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was, it got us all shooketh, as the <laughs> kids say these days. Um, yeah, I was a bit shocked, actually. Um, but I, I think they were all really worthy, like top four. I think they were all brilliant. The talent this year was just another level. But the support that Bimini had, I was like, oh, she's got this in the bag. Yeah. Because, like, literally all, the whole public were completely behind her. But Lawrence was brilliant as well. So you can't just, like, you couldn't have ruled out anyone, to be honest. And I think it's right in the fact that um, some very, very wise Twitter user said that um, Lawrence Cheney won the first half of the series. Bimini Bomboulash won the second half. And then Tace won all of the lip syncs. So technically... They all won. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, but I think they've all got such a bright future ahead of them. But for me, I cannot wait to see Bimini Bomboulash live just because I love saying Bimini Bomboulash. It is a good name, <laughs> like isn't it? It is the best drag name I've ever heard in my life. Bimini Bomboulash. It will just never get old. <laughs> but from Tracy Beaker, you had your own sitcom as well in Danny's house. So I did. How did that come about? Was that something that you pitched? Was it something that they came to you about? How did that come about? Yeah, so um, my exec producer, lovely Elaine Sperber, who was on Tracy Beaker with me, we just really wanted to work with each other again and do another series. So we were trying to like rack our brains to work out what this series could be. Yeah. So we were kind of going backwards and forwards. At one point, I think we were doing a Saturday morning show where Reggie Yates was going to be living in my attic. Like it was very strange, <laughs> very, very odd. And somehow we got to the idea of like, because I, I love doing comedy. Like, I really enjoy that. And not a lot of people know that about me because I was very much from, like, a drama background. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I just really want to be able to just be a bit silly and play characters and dress up uh, because I, I have no shame. I've never been embarrassed by anything <laughs> in my life. So I'm really not bothered about spending the rest of my career in a fat suit dressed up as an alien. Doesn't bother me. That feels perfectly natural. That's the image um, I'm going and... to use for this podcast as well, Danny. I yeah. hope you understand that. Please do that some brilliant ones on the internet just google it it's great um 
and yeah so this sort of sketch show idea came about um and it was just an excuse really to like sort of work with some really good friends and just mess around um and yeah I think we did like five series it really took off it did really well um not that anyone mentions it now <laughs> everyone's forgotten about that great show I just talk about Tracy Baker all the time but I have to say Danny's House is one of the best um experiences I ever had really because it was my first kind of producer role yeah. um I got a lot of say in things I got to cast it which was great and I was really involved with everything um and yeah it kind of gave me a real taste to want to be behind the camera as well as in front so uh yeah hopefully in the future I can produce more it must be a huge difference between having the role of Tracy Beaker did you have much say in what was happening in Tracy B. Oh, no. Very much, this is what you're doing, Tracy. Here we go. Tracy oh, yeah, over here. absolutely. That sort of stuff. I, I have no power here. <laughs> <laughs> no power whatsoever. Uh, and I'm okay with that um, because Tracy is so well-loved now that the pressure of just playing the character is more than enough. I don't need all the other <laughs> pressure about storylines because, let's be honest, you can't please everyone yeah. and now that we have twitter and instagram and all these social media platforms everyone is now a critic which is great yeah. um so yeah i think it's good for me that i don't have any power with tracy beaker really i mean obviously if i massively disagreed with something i'm quite an outspoken person anyway and everyone that we work with is really lovely so i would just say i think this is going off in the wrong direction but whether they listen <laughs> to me or not i don't know <laughs> Uh, so yeah with Danny's house it was just really nice to be able to kind of and obviously I was a bit older then as well you know no one's going to really listen to a 12 year old are they but uh, a very very mature 19 year old however really knows what they're talking about um but uh yeah I just I just had this massive passion especially for like script editing and stuff mm. and um and development I just loved coming up with this show and yeah really getting involved in it so I really hope I can do more of that well, you must have done something right because you got the spin-off of Danny's Castle as well. I did. I, I, I lived in so many different places in my career. <laughs> House, castle, not sure what's next. We'll soon see. Uh, yeah, I just we decided to do Danny's Castle because I knew that I wanted to sort of pass the baton, as it were. Um, I'd kind of got to a point where I was, I think I was about to tour with Rocky Horror. So I was about yeah. to take my career in a very, very different direction. Um, so I was about to do Strictly, which then led on to Rocky Horror. So I knew that I kind of wanted to pass the torch and the best way for that to happen was to kind of set up a another series which could then be passed along and carry on without me basically so uh, that was great fun we filmed that in Belfast in this gorgeous castle uh, which was terrifying because I'm pretty sure it is actually haunted so <laughs> would definitely not sleep in there overnight <laughs> well you did mention Strictly but you'd also done Let's Dance for Sport Relief as well uh, where you I did Tiger Drew Honey is that right Yes, yes. So we did um, a little routine to Bugsy Malone um, and ended up winning our heat, actually, and then coming second, I believe, overall, which was bonkers. And that's kind of, I think, where the Strictly bosses kind of watched me, picked up on it. Uh, and that's how I ended up on Strictly, which was great. Which you had fantastic run. You went all the way through and became fourth. Am I right in thinking you were fourth? Yeah, yeah. So I got to the final uh, and then came fourth, which I I mean, I thought I was going to be out second week, definitely. I was like, there's no way I'm making it to the end. Uh, and somehow I did. And I never had to be in a dance-off. Thank goodness. I don't think my pressure, I, yeah, it would have been too much pressure for me. Uh, but yeah, I had such a great time. It's such hard work. Do you still find but, um, glitter and fake tan? 
even though oh, all these, all you, you still find it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally everywhere. Like, oh gosh, uh, I actually still have uh, a couple of the costumes oh, that I wore. Yeah, I can't fit in them anymore. Obviously, <laughs> I was like size six then. We've had lockdown. I've eaten since then. There's no way I'm squeezing myself back into them. But it's nice to look at every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, for people that don't know. Once you get to a certain point in Strictly, you then have to do two dances a night. So yeah. the stress that I would have learning just one dance is off the chart. But to be able to have to learn two dances in yeah. in such a short period of time, how did that feel? Oh, it's it's insane. It really is. Because it looks like you've got like a whole week to learn these routines, but you don't. Yeah. Because you've got to go on, it takes two. You've got to film your VTs. You've got to go for costume things. You've obviously got to have your spray tans, <laughs> you know. Um, so actually, I think you only really end up with about three days rehearsal. So if you're trying to learn just one dance in them three days, that is a lot. But two, it was just, yeah, it, it, <laughs> it was a lot. There was a lot of me crying in the toilet going, Vincent, I can't do it. You can't make <laughs> I don't even understand what a quick step is. Um, so yeah, it was it was crazy, but um, yeah, you just got to get on with it. You really have. And I had the best dance partner. Vincent was just a dream. He really was, um, and he used to get more nervous than me. <laughs> like every yeah, he used to get so nervous, which I was kind of like, can you not? <laughs> because you're making my nerves worse. Um, but during like um, rehearsals and stuff, he was just great. He was such a good choreographer, knew exactly what to do. Um, so yeah, he was brilliant. Did you ever get starstruck by any of the other contestants? Yes. I'm such a nerd and I'm so normal. I live in Berkshire, for goodness sake. I don't know anyone. I'm so unshowbiz. So when I meet these people, I'm literally like, oh my gosh. I was like, that's Kimberly from Girls Aloud. I hope we become best friends. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I've got like no shame. There is no shame with me. I will quite happily go up to other people and be like, oh my goodness, I love your work. I'm your biggest fan. Because uh, I have found that some of these, especially when you're at like award shows and parties and stuff, everyone's very with their champagne sort of walking around going, oh yes, no, I don't know them. Oh no, Coronation Street, I don't watch that. Don't be silly. I'm far too busy being fabulous. Uh, whereas I'm like, oh my God, this is so exciting. Look over there. Uh, and yeah, I met Sari and McKellen once and wow. cried because he was Gandalf and said how much I love you, Gandalf, and kept calling him Gandalf and continued to cry in his face. So that's <laughs> how that's how nerdy I am. <laughs> I wonder, I, I often think about this with roles that are so iconic to people. So like you say, McKellen Gandalf. I imagine yeah. how often do people shout, thou shalt not pass at him. So I imagine how often do people shout bog off to you? Oh my gosh, literally on a daily basis. I get it like all the time. But I love watching people that think that it will be the first time that I've ever yeah. heard it. <laughs> it's brilliant. They're like, oh, bog off. You're like, oh, good one. Not heard that in 20 years ever. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's just my absolute favourite thing. Uh, and people tend to sing the theme tune at me quite a lot. It is, uh, an, which is, it is an anthem though. It's great. And it's it's actually been released as a single now. Um, are, it you, was in the... are you not in the music video as well, Dan? Oh, Oh, funny you should bring that up, actually. Yes, I am. Uh, yeah, so Keisha White, who sings the theme tune, um, literally gave birth, like, 
I don't know, a minute ago. So she wasn't allowed to, well, not allowed to be in the video. She couldn't be in the video. Um, so yeah, they asked me and I was like, okay, yes. Because yeah. obviously as an actor, when do you ever get the chance to be in a music video? Yeah. Literally never. Uh, so yeah, it was super exciting. And yeah, I think it nearly made it into the top 20 when it first came out. I don't know how it's doing now, but uh, yeah. So people went bananas for it, which is great. But yeah, so people always sing it to me and I don't still don't know the words. <laughs> so maybe I'll learn them. Oh. I definitely know the words. Maybe. uh, (laughs) I started, so my partner had never watched it. So my partner's a little bit older than me and he actually lived abroad for a a short period of time. And when he was abroad, that was when it was on. And also he was too old for when it came out. So it would have been weird for him being the youngest in the family (laughs) watching CBBC. So it was a bit weird. But so so now as two fully grown adults, I can make him watch it and there's no guilt. And that's not weird. That's totally not weird. That's fine. (laughs) No, I mean, what, what I managed to make him watch it from is from Michelle Visage tweeting when one of the characters Jenny has the flower bomb on her face coming out there <laughs> coming. and for yeah. people that haven't seen it go on to Michelle Visage's Twitter find the video and just listen to how sassy Michelle is when she says this look at her <laughs> look, look at her chuck flower on her face look at this <laughs> <laughs> my gosh Michelle you're giving away all the secrets <laughs> it's for kids it's for kids goodness me <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that's how I managed to get get my partner to be able to to watch it. So that was good. So that was great. And then it's only because when I I had a bit of a, a panic moment when I saw that it was returning. So my mum Tracy Beaker went, "Oh my god!" And my partner went, "What are you on about?" I said, "You've never seen Tracy Beaker, have you?" And he went, "No." I said, "Right, sit down, put the kettle on. Here we go." <laughs> <laughs> we watched it. But what I liked about my mum Tracy Beaker is that it's tackled something that is now totally normal and it would have been totally normal um, when it first came out but it just wasn't as widely acceptable is that cam's a cam's gay cam's a lesbian yeah um so back when we first started um so cam's always been a lesbian yeah. that's just a fact like the character's a lesbian we all knew that right yeah but um so someone brought it to my attention that section 28 was still um in play there yeah. so even if we wanted to we wouldn't have been able to uh, portray that anyway um which i just find completely mind-boggling i just thought it was cbbc <clears throat> kind of wimping out on an idea really um and they weren't at all and um, they were kind of the first uh, channel really to sort of put gay stories out there yeah. um so yeah it just it's always it it's just always been and it's been quite nice in a way uh that cam just was you know yeah. there wasn't like a big kind of there wasn't a big thing about her sexuality it she just was a lesbian yeah and she was just living her life and it was Do you know so, what i mean so, so obvious as well so it's like it wasn't yeah. like you could, yeah <laughs> it was so obvious but then um there was a storyline where she married a man and we were all like what what why are you doing that she's clearly a lesbian um so yeah that was a slight blip in the plan um but that's why i'm really glad that my mom tracy beaker decided to do that story because um i don't think that happened in the book that jacqueline wilson had written um i think uh her and mary were kind of already together Mm -hmm. um uh, but it was nice that they sort of did the wedding um because for all of us that sort of grew up with it it was like a yes finally moment uh which was great to watch but what actually you mentioned before about social media and twitter and things like that 
what I was so pleased with is that there was no outrage whatsoever. It was just kind of taken, oh, I'm so pleased Cam's getting married. It was like where yeah. you imagine the, the toxic cesspit that is Twitter, where it can oh, be horrendous no, times. I was yeah. waiting for what comes gay for all these people that have been watching with their ears shut and their eyes closed. Did I go, are you yeah. not paying any attention to Cam? Quite clearly <laughs> she's a lesbian. Did I? So I was so pleased there was no outrage on Twitter at all. None at all. And it was just so nice to see all these lovely positive messages coming through. Um, and yeah, it was just great. And a lot of older um, ladies have reached out to me and said, you know, I didn't come out until I was in my 40s. I'm glad that this sort of story is being represented, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just been great. And yes, um, yeah, I'm just glad that we didn't see any negativity if there was any, because uh, it was all peace and love on my Twitter account for once. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> you mentioned a little bit before you were on the uh, in the Rocky Horror Show uh, on the tour there. How did that come about? Uh, did you enjoy the tour? Oh my goodness. So Rocky Horror was like a bucket list moment for me. It was my one of my favourite musicals growing up ever. Uh, I just used to find it fascinating. I was obsessed with the music. Um, so yeah, basically I met the casting director whilst I was doing Strictly. And he was like, you'd make a really good Janet. I was like, yes, yes, I would. <laughs> Please, hire me now. Uh, and yeah, it just, it basically, he was like, I think it's a great idea. Why don't you come and meet the MD? Um, so I literally went along, sang a little bit, and they were like, yeah, great, let's do it. I was like, really? Oh, okay, brilliant. I've never really done like a, like a proper adult musical before. Yeah. Uh, and then kind of forgot the actual storyline for a minute and then realised, oh, you're actually going to be in your underwear for pretty much the entire show. This is slightly different from being in Tracy Beaker. Uh, so, yeah, it was just such a great experience for me. Although my grandparents did come and watch it and they didn't, tell me that they were coming and I would have liked to have warned them just a little bit so that you know when you're sort of stimulating having sex with a transvestite on stage I might have just warned my grand that that was gonna happen uh, but they seem to love the show so that was great <laughs> there's no business like show exactly. exactly yeah I don't know how I'd feel about that because I'm very much one of the people that if someone comes to see a show I don't want to know they're in the audience because I overthink it and over and because yeah. I overthink I make mistakes that I don't want to do and stuff but i think if i was gonna make love to a transvestite in my underpants most of the show i probably would want to know if my nan was in the audience <laughs> exactly exactly if nothing else i would have really wanted to video their reactions <laughs> throughout it just because they had no idea what rocky horror show was i don't think they've ever seen the film like totally oblivious so yeah just to be sat in that auditorium <laughs> auditorium with loads of people all dressed up around them would have just been brilliant with my nan just sat there eating some mint imperials wondering <laughs> where on earth she is <laughs> it would be an exceptional live goggle box and it will do that. Yes, exactly <laughs> exactly uh, but yeah i had the time of my life on that show i made well my best friends are all from that tour um yeah i, I just had the best time ever that's fantastic. So amazing. So, so amazing. You're now working uh, on top of everything else. You're now working with uh, the Danny Harmer Academy. I say working with, it is your academy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, don't know why I went, right, I went right around the houses for the second time in the interview. <laughs> You're now working with, in partnership, as a part of uh, the <laughs> Danny Harmer Academy. Uh, tell me a bit about that. Yeah, so um, I set it up about six years ago, I think, with my mum. I just wanted to give something back to my community, where 
where we live there is nothing for kids to do yeah. um performing arts is sort of the first thing that gets cut straight away from schools budgets which is really sad so we don't really have a lot of it going on in schools anymore and yeah. um, so i just wanted to create a nice safe space that kids could come and sort of express themselves in a different way um i wasn't academic at all growing up not in the slightest so i if i didn't have a creative outlet i don't really know where that would have left me um <clears throat> so yeah i just wanted to um give some give a place for kids that not necessarily oh we're going to make you a star like yeah. choose this as a career i just wanted it to be a fun hobby because the performing arts is so fun yeah. and it doesn't need to be all this pressure that you find on social media now where everyone needs to be famous it doesn't need to be that just come and enjoy it like i get the most satisfaction out of seeing someone's confidence grow mm -hmm. I've had a few kids where when they first come to me they they can't even like say hello to me like they're so nervous and then cut to like a year down the line and they're up on stage in front of loads of strangers singing a big solo <laughs> so it's like that to me is just that's exactly why I opened it up in the first place uh, and yeah it's still going really strong and I can't wait for us to actually be able to open again because Teaching over Zoom is hard work. It is so hard work. Um, so, yeah, being able to interact face-to-face -face again will be lovely. Yeah, I'm not surprised it's really rewarding and things like that because performing arts is hugely important. It's massively... And as you say, I think there's an unhealthy obsession with people at the moment that are obsessed with being famous. When they grow up, what do you <laughs> want to do when you grow up? I want to be famous. Yeah, that's fine, but... What, what? what are you going to do? Do you know? <laughs> and yeah. There there are loads of actors and actresses out there. There are loads of comedians and singers and also there's loads of us. We all want to do those sort of things. So yeah. I think and I maybe it's a YouTube thing, maybe it's a social media thing. It is this unhealthy obsession with being famous and things. But performing arts in my opinion, gives you those foundations and that confidence, as you say, that confidence boost to do something like a job interview, as simple as that. It gives you that yes. confidence boost. Exactly. It's so important. Um, so, yeah, I urge anyone really just to go and have a few drama classes. If nothing else, they're fun yeah. and you get to be a complete Wally for a little <laughs> bit. And who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> I agree. Completely agree. So what's next for you, Danny? Oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> we need to. We need this pandemic to be over. Getting in the way of my career. Go away, Rona. Um, yeah, no, I've got some cool things in the pipeline. Thank goodness. I'm incredibly lucky. Um, hopefully more Tracy Beaker. It did say to be continued. So you never know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that and a few other bits and bobs. But, yeah, we just need this pandemic to be over. We need our theatres back open so we can all get back to work and do what we love. I completely agree with you. Completely agree. I can't wait to be back into a theatre. I miss everything about a theatre. I would happily perform in an empty theatre. <laughs> I just oh, want gosh, to be on a stage. Too. Absolutely. I just want to be sat there with someone singing in my face. That's all I want. That's it. <laughs> it's not much to ask for, is it? <laughs> I've got one final question for you, Danny. Who of okay. your show business friends would you like to see on this podcast? Oh, who would I like? Oh, gosh, that's a difficult question. Um, I think you could... Lisa Riley would be brilliant oh, because yeah. she is just the loveliest lady on the planet. Uh, and my pal, Joe Tresini. He's oh, just Joe, absolute yeah. dream. Um, yes, that would be fab. Amazing. Danny, thank you so, so much for coming on to the podcast. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me.
The Cal Halbert Podcast. And there we have it, my friends. That was my chat with my good friend, Danny Harmer. Did I mention she stayed at my house in the spare room because we were doing a panto together? She's my good friend, not like... Anyway, go to the start of the interview. You'll be able to work it out, right? Because she stayed because we were doing panto. We were doing Wizard of Oz. She was a witch. I was a wizard. Whoa, the magic. Uh, Thank you very much for downloading and listening to this week's episode. Please don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a future episode. And if you can, give us five stars. That really, really helps us out. Please, please, please share with all your friends as if you think, only if you think they'll like it. If you don't think they'll like it, send it to someone you don't like. And then, but how can you not like it? It was Tracy Meeker. See you next week with another Cal Halbert podcast. The Cal Halbert Podcast. You've been listening to a Calvert Media production.